Tennis.com podcast. And here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hey guys, Tennis.com podcast here. Uh, Ed McGrogan here with Richard Pagliaro and Steve Tegner, the usual guest here uh, these days. Uh, so the w- first week of play uh, done in tennis, also some wildcard NFL action as well, as we as we do like mm. to discuss here mm-hmm. and dabble in. Keep that time. to a minimum today. Yeah, I'm fine with that too, even <laughs> even though Richard might be a I'm little. I'm a Jets fan, so I'm celebrating yeah, at least might... for the next five days, you know. Yeah. Can they beat New England? Uh, they can or they can get blown out. So <laughs> Those are the only two options. <laughs> yeah, those are the two options. Won't yeah. be a close loss. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, we got we got that going on next weekend and then and then next weekend, Sunday, here at Eastern Time, Australian Open will get underway, and we've had the, the warm-up tournaments that take place this week and last week. We had the first batch that ended uh, this past weekend. There were five of them in all. Um, most of the big names were playing either in them or Hopman Cup. Uh, so most of the of, of the players were in action, and and the biggest ones, you have to be sort of impressed uh, with a lot, with a few of them, even though... Even though Rafael Nadal, there's maybe some new questions raised about him at the moment. But um, I think we may as well start with the usual suspect of Roger Federer. Um, Steve, I, 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 you're, in your piece today, I know you talk about the backhand. That was the big thing I took away as well from from Federer's two wins in particular over Sanga in the semifinals and Davidenko in the final. It just it seemed like the... Um, you know, you know the Federer that we saw, I think, at the French and Wimbledon last year. There's sort of the the unsure unsurety of going to the slice off with the backhand, but he's definitely going for a lot more of that shot now. It looks a lot more yeah, comfortable. He's just, um, he's just hitting it better. I think that's that's what you can say. He's hitting the cross court like almost as if he's never hit it before, sort of like a with more of a weapon than it than it has been. He's going down the line when whenever he seems to feel like it. Uh, seem, it almost seems like he's taking the ball earlier. It, it reminds me of little of Sampras's backhand when it was good, when it was in like 94, 95, when it was really a weapon, sort of heavy topspin. Um, you know, Federer's is different, but it, it has that has that feel. I mean, you couldn't really go to Sampras's backhand in those days and 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 get very far. Um, so that was big. I mean, just the way that Federer is playing, it, it seems like a, a little different, a little cleaned up. It's more efficient. Doesn't. Doesn't go for quite as much on the forehand, but it's not like he's it's not like he's playing it safe either. And the same same is true for the serve. Like he's not not hitting as many aces, but but he's he's holding pretty easily. It seems like he's in more control. It's almost like Anacone is it just reined his game in a little bit, but um, he's still you know still while keeping the shot making. Yeah, Anacone's got I think getting a lot of a lot of credit for this deservedly. So. Um... Richard, what did you what did you think about I guess Federer and I guess what do you think about his prospects uh, for next week? Of course, he looks really fresh and I think like Steve said, the backhand he blistered a few backhands up the line where you know he used to get into that pattern and sort of chipping it short and putting you in an uncomfortable position and making you come up with something to beat him. Now it looks like he's just going out there saying, when I'm feeling the ball, I, you know. I can basically just tee off. Not that he's trying to end points prematurely or anything, but when he has the shot, there's no hesitation. He's going after the the shot. Yeah, the backhand, I I thought, too, it's like he, um, you know, he's hitting it well, but it it still seemed to have that also that little element of surprise in a way, too, what that he, you know, he knows it's common, of course, but 
even even myself watching, I didn't expect some of them to to uh, to be let loose like that. Right. And really, the opponents didn't either. For a and while, even man. on the return, once in a while, he'll crack one. Whereas he got into that pattern. Hey, I'm just going to chip it back, get into the point, and then let's go on those terms. Now you'll see him once in a while crack the return, and that and God, the, the second serve on Davidenko, he was really going after the second serve return. Yeah, Davidenko was. Uh... I thought for a while, sort of in his uh, winter form, sort of the, the catching <laughs> yeah. ev- catching everything down. I mean, he looked good. At t- he he played a good. I thought he played a good second set in that match. But I mean, no one was beating. It didn't look like anybody was beating Federer. Yeah, he started that, that slow. Day. Started too slowly, I think. But, yeah. Um, after the match, I think he said that he's the best Federer's ever played against him. They've played about twenty times. Yeah, and he's lost about nine. About yeah. 19 or 18. And he did days. wipe away some of those points early. I mean, he did hang tough that end of that first set where he didn't go away. You know, he really did hang. Uh, he hung in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, Brisbane, or what's... Before we go to that, that was the other match I know that's on, is uh, I just want to touch on Nadal a little bit because um, do, do you guys think there's any any credence to this, like, you know, playing a, like too much of... Uh, this exhibition stuff and there's Nadal's playing doubles too in Doha. Um, it's a lot. Just, it's more than he's played. Yeah, it's. I mean, I don't. I don't know what you what you think of if it's if it doesn't matter what kind of tennis is it, tennis it is. It's still tennis and it still adds up mileage. But you know that's not a good sign regardless that he's uh, or if it's just you know this sort of random flu. Injury. I would say it is. A, it is random and it's a, it's just he was sick. But at the same time, it is more. Than he's played a little more than he's played normally, and he didn't have any uh, break after the world. He had a break before the World Tour final, but he didn't have anything. He didn't have any official off season. He said it was about three days, and you know that's that's gonna catch up to you in some way. I don't I don't know if this is I don't know if it's related in this case, but I could see that kind of schedule catching up with Nadal eventually. I guess, I guess we'll see too if you know Nadal hasn't had a this. I thought 2010 was. Nadal's first fall season where he I think he played for the most part a full schedule. He got pretty much to the later rounds of almost every event he played. And so he has a lot, um, you know, just a lot of matches at that point. And obviously there's very little turnaround from year to year. So but saying that it's it's you know, it's foolish to even surmise that uh Nadal's to be yeah, it was counted strange, out by any means or something. Strange there. situation. He he almost retired in the singles match against Davidenko, but then he stuck around to, to win the doubles. So who, it's hard to tell what he's feeling and how how sick he was or is. He's he's you know he delayed going to Melbourne for a day, but but um, I would assume by by the weekend he'll be it'll be normal for him. Yeah, yeah. I hope he would be healthy. You just wonder the heat there if he had to go out early and it's really extremely hot, just the hydration and you know you lose fluid when you have the flu, but I I would think he would be he would be, you know, fit and in form yeah. I would hope for for Australia. Yeah. Um in Australia that was played in in, in the Middle East. Uh in Australia there was a uh, Soderling, Rod, a couple other most of the rest of the big names there. And we were talking a little bit about Brisbane before before uh, this podcast got under the wire. Um, Richard, you're mentioning about Soderling and the, um, you know, another guy that's kind of when he's on, it's it's really kind of good night. He almost takes the racket right out of your hand. I mean, the serve was monstrous. I mean, 
Roddick didn't get a sniff at a break point. I think he had, what, 10 break points against Roddick. And even the previous match, Stepanek broke him once. That was the only time he's broken the whole tournament, you know. So he goes through every match straight set. If he serves like that in Australia, I know he's done nothing for his career in Australia, but he's a different Soderling now. I mean, if he serves like that, it's just like one-two tennis because you get it back, and then the next – if you get it back, the next shot, it's – oh, I mean, it was – guy is just a mammoth hitter of the ball yeah. yeah Roddick said that that was the difference really was the serve and Soderling's serve was as good as he's as he's seen it the other thing I thought was was interesting or different about Soderling he seemed more upbeat more positive more sort of proactive about about you know keeping himself pumped up during the match you don't normally see that from from him he's more either stoic or sort of scowling but this he's he seemed a little more just positive in general as a new coach and maybe that Paris Masters one did a little bit for him too I mean it could be he does seem like he's that was sort of a breakthrough win I feel for him in a way even though he's been to slam finals but you know he does seem like he he was more he was like all right this is my tournament this is my match you know now he's ranked number four he's ahead of Murray so it feels like you know, he thinks he belongs there. Yeah, yeah, and even when they had the rain, a little bit of a situation where Roddick and Fergus sort of, you know, Roddick, a little sarcasm there, it didn't, nothing phased him. Like, he was just, yeah, so he, he just had that look like, I'm going to get it done if I have to wait five minutes or, you know, five hours. It's, he was just had a lot of conviction the way he played, the way, and, and his demeanor, like you said. Yeah, and you you brought up the number four ranking there. That's uh, that's going to enable him to, to miss everybody aside from Murray who who dips down one spot and he you know that should be a really big thing Soderling seems to always sort of collide in the uh, with a Federer in a quarterfinal right, or something right. or he always he's always there it seems Either like for Federer the past Federer Nadal right, really. yeah the yeah. open Wimbledon French um yeah. but then Murray you know who knows whether this will help Murray the same thing happened to him last year and he beat Nadal in the quarters and made the final um so maybe you know a little less pressure for Murray the, uh, I would be interested this time if he did get Federer again because after he beat him in Paris, remember they played again at the U.S. Open and everyone thought it would be a better match than it was and he went back into that mode where he kind of defers to Federer like, I guess I would defer too if I lost 12 times in a row to somebody, <laughs> but it it was not quite as a feisty Soderling as I thought we'd see in New York. Now that he's, like you said, won Paris, he's won Brisbane, maybe, he, maybe it would be a little bit different at least psychologically emotional i mean fetter's just a better player better all-around game but maybe the belief would be a little more fiercer if he did play him this time around yeah it's a big big opportunity for him for sure uh let's close talking about one match that happened this week already um and i guess we're talking about the australian open and and there couldn't be a more dangerous unseated player to draw in round one uh than juan martin del potro because someone uh, maybe even one of the, the big seeds could be, you know, faced with having to play him in the first round. It's sort of like what you saw from Ennin last year um, at the Aussie Open. So Del Potro today, um, whenever time it happened, sometime in the evening, he he goes in Sydney and plays Feliciano Lopez, wins six seven seven six seven six, saves a match point. Um, the form of him is going to be to be determined. I, I didn't see any of the match, but you know, Del Potro at the Aussie is going to be one of those more interesting subplots to see where that kind of goes. Yeah, uh, it's hard to you know, it's impossible to say. I would, I wouldn't expect too much out of him, especially if he keeps playing matches like this this week. 
um, because it's going to be obviously really hot down there and he hasn't played any. He came back for a little bit and had some physical problems later last year. Um, but, you know, nobody's going to want to face him, that's for sure. Yeah. He's frightening, that guy. If he, I think you're right because he hasn't played in so long, but let's say he gets a few matches this week going in, and if he somehow snuck in a couple earlier, like you said, it, he could draw anybody, but if he got a couple early rounds that were manageable, then he gets his confidence, his form, he gets a little bit on a roll, then he's the guy's lethal if he's on his game. He's absolutely he's frightening. Yeah. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, I should mention the podcast, the schedule going forward is Steve will be uh, down in Melbourne a couple days and the plan is to uh, to have some late night chats after the each day's action. So uh, That's before or after the Fosters? I don't know, I, Steve. They know <laughs> Fosters is more prevalent down there, that's for sure. But, we'll see. Yeah. Depends who they serve in the press room. Who knows? I don't know. But, um... But Steve and I will be trying to do some some daily podcasts from down there. And then up here, um, you should expect a lot of video uh, from Richard, Pete, um, you know, and, of course, day and night coverage from all of us here at Tennis.com. So uh, tune in. Make sure you do. And thanks for listening. You've been enjoying Tennis.com's weekly podcast. Thanks for listening. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com. 